0: This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of What Most People Think. How are you? Are you alright? Are you in a what what tier are you in? What tier are you in? What tier are you, you, you busting, love? Yeah. What yeah. are you tier three, tier two? Oh, my God. As I speak, London has just gone into, well, it's going into tier two lockdown. So all those northerners were saying, oh, they're fucking victimising the north, mate. Well, London's got nine million people. I think that's collectively more people than in all the other local lockdowns. So actually, they're victimising us, you can't. Um, Keir Starmer this week. Keir Starmer. He grew a pair, didn't he? Finally grew a pair. And picked a stance, and he picked the two-week circuit breaker, and he just said, uh, "Yes, we 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 want to go for a, a a two-week circuit breaker." Oh, just the two weeks, is it, Gear, of locking down literally everything? I don't, I don't know about you. I don't like this name, circuit breaker. Do you, do you sort of get the feeling that if they can come up with a good enough name for something that is very likely to happen, it's almost the same principle as uh, how game shows get commissioned, isn't it? Circuit circuit breaker sounds like a show with Philip Schofield. doesn't it that'd be like the the final welcome to circuit breaker okay it's the final round all you have to do to win twenty thousand pounds is find the 12 circuit breakers uh yeah philip i'd like to play my mini short break circuit breaker (laughs) Uh, well, this is look. This is what, uh, what most people think. I know I've picked up quite a few new listeners. Uh, thank you. If you haven't, could you subscribe, subscribe, rate, recommend it? I want. I want to keep you. This is going to be. We do solo shows sometimes with just me. And look, let's be honest. They don't get as many listeners. But I would say that this is this one's worth staying tuned for because there's been so much this week. There's been so much, and this this is the podcast that dares to say the thing. That other comedians weren't there to say. Like, for example, Boris Johnson made a joke this week with the 1922 committee. And he, in response to Theresa May saying that uh, business people should sit on the SAGE panel, he said, well, you know, that would, then we'd have to call it beige. Now, I look, I'm not saying it's the best joke of all time. I'm, I'm really not saying that. I'm saying it's a decent joke, though, isn't it? It's a decent joke, and everyone's gone. you know, what, what, what's Boris Johnson doing? You know, was he doing cracking jokes in a pandemic? I'm sorry, if he's having a meeting with his colleagues, I'd like to think that the Prime Minister, in the middle of a pandemic, can still make a light-hearted gag, and a decent gag. That's the important thing. It wasn't a bad joke at all. If fucking Marina Hyde or Catelyn Moran said it, or Ian Hislop said it, you middle-class twats, you'd all be like chuckling to your pumpkin spice lattes wouldn't you but uh but oh no boris boris is not allowed to do anything right at the moment i've never really liked boris johnson but i think that the level of animosity to him is almost getting a point where i'm just starting to sympathize and i don't know Uh, i gotta welcome a few patrons so um with the patreon thing Everybody that is a patron is entitled to a shout out. I think I've done most of them, but I'm currently asking people to. If you are a patron, message me on the Patreon site. I read every single one, I respond to most of them, uh, and I'm trying to get through the backlog, which sounds like a negative way of putting it. There's Ian McKinney, which just sounds like a Scottish author, doesn't he? Ian McKinney. Or is it, am I thinking of Ian McEwen? Maybe Ian McKinney is like the comical version. He just uh, he does uh, novels like about a, a small town cop in a fishing village. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sandy Reed, uh, new ten pound patron. So respect to Sandy Reed. We've had a few new patrons over last week. Daniel Donnelly. I'm just thinking, Irish kind of folky pop singer. The new song from Daniel Donnelly, with the hills of Galway. Um, Tariq. I'm just going to call you Tariq there. I quite like. Um, it's like Sonic or Tariq sounds like a name like uh, or Cisco. Do you remember? Do you remember Cisco? Ooh, that, what was, this, what was this fucking song? Ooh, that dress is scandalous. She like a dance with the hip-hop spots. Move to the drop. What was it? She had don't suck a truck, truck, truck. Guys like wah, wah, wah. Oh, the thong song. That was it. That thong, the thong, thong, thong. I mean, my God. Cisco, if you had a song like that now, can you imagine the landscape you're coming into? You know, everyone be like, I just don't think it's appropriate to be like objectifying female. You know, a thong is actually a functional piece of clothing and a lot of people wear it for comfort. So I don't think that Cisco should be talking about it like that. And then finally, uh, James Reeve. Welcome all patrons. Look, it's worth stating again. The patron is the idea was when lockdown started, I made the show weekly. I think it's better weekly. I think it's a topical show and it makes sense. But I have to be able to justify it to my wife and my agent. So there's an income for it. And I'm able to do that The other thing is Is that I've had a couple of podcast Hosting sort of platforms Where they come in They've tried to sign me But the thing is They offer advertising And then certain advertisers uh, Because I'm right of centre They want to know about content In advance and stuff like that And I, I would just rather Keep it like this But the, the patron has to be At a certain level For it to do that So those of you That are with it It's much appreciated Please stick with it And if you're thinking about it Then do get involved Because there's, there's all sorts of things Some of you get to ask questions When I've got uh, guests coming on uh, I read all your messages there's uh, exclusive content. I also do the odd little uh, TV ideas So you know, I, I think it's um, I think it's worth it. <laughs> That's the worst ending to a sales pitch ever. Uh, I do have shows coming up this week uh, in Newcastle on Saturday at the Stand. That show is at six forty PM. So for you middle-aged people, yet again, this pandemic is offering you great the kind of night out you want. Be honest, you're like, oh yeah, no, we could have an early dinner and then we could watch a show and I could oh, I could still be in by nine. Uh, so doing that show in Newcastle. And then I've got to show the Birmingham Glee on Sunday night. And um, the Birmingham Glee, look, it is a Sunday night. I get that. And it's in the middle of a city centre. But how many of you fuckers are getting up on time on Monday for whatever work it is you're pretending to do? Don't give it all that. It's, it's, it's technically, there are no school nights anymore. You come out, eight, we'll be done by 10. What, you, you, won't, you won't start work till 10 the following day, where you're hungover, logging on for a Zoom call. Do you know what I mean? Props up. So, so just come to the fucking show if you live in Birmingham, because God knows... Well, we don't know when these sort of things are going to be possible again, so you've got to take liberty while you have it. Uh, we do a cuss count every week, just keeping um, tabs on how much I'm swearing. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've started too bad today. You're probably all laughing now because I've probably sworn like a trooper. Um, although pro- troopers aren't probably in to swear now, are they, in the army? Eh? you know, It's probably a list of bad words. Uh, the cuss count from the show last week with Gary Bushell was one bastard, one dog shit, six fucks, 12 fuckings, uh, two shits one shit show one shitty three twats uh, that works out as a swear rate of 0.44 a minute so that's under half a minute so we did get it down and yeah look i know i know we had gary Bushel on but it was a good half hour of the show that was about politics so i think that that represents a significant flattening of the curve from the previous uh week which is i think was 39 fuckings um next slide please go chris witty uh, just before we crack on, um, a thank you. I always do a thank you and a fuck you. Thank you on Tuesday night. I was doing Comedy Unleashed, by the way. Uh, you know Comedy Unleashed. They're kind of like the free speech comedy night that run at the backyard um, in London. And it was great. They they managed to get on a, a run of gigs somehow. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was on with other horrific straight white male bigots like Dominic Frisbee, Leo Curse, and Scott Kapura, who pretends to be gay, but we all know he's a giant homophobe. And and um, I was just driving there. It was a rainy night, and I was thinking about what to eat. And then I was in the middle of like a housing estate in East London, and there was this um, there was this kebab shop, and it was packed. And as we all know, you're not supposed to racially profile, but it was full of Turkish-looking blokes. And I know you're gonna say, Jeff, how can you know what a Turkish-looking bloke looks like? I just look. It it's a sense that I got, and I'm salivating. Sorry, if you I'm, uh, if you're about to, if you're hungry or about to have lunch. I'm, I'm. It's not good to hear about food at this time, but. I knew early on when they bought this kebab out even when they bought out the bread man the bread was so good and they had this kind of like pickled like onion in this sort of vinaigrette thing and they had like uh, the the cucumber thing and the chili sauce I was like oh my god I I know this is going to be good and then when they bought out the kebab itself very early on I knew this is going to be the best kebab of my life. And now a younger man might have shot his bolt at that point and just wolfed it all down and not really savoured the experience. But I've been about a bit. I'm a bit of a veteran of kebabs. And I knew very early on that I needed to take it all in. Like I was almost like a like a League One player getting a run out in a FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. I took it very slowly, almost like maybe maybe if you were sleeping with a supermodel, do you know what I mean? You go, okay, this isn't happening again. <laughs> and uh, my God, the lamb was so tender. It was. I can only think that it must have been getting a massage as it was slaughtered. And I know that the animal rights people will probably object to that sort, sort of language, but that's mm-hmm. if that's what it takes for me to have good lamb, then I, that's, I think, should be the new rule, is that that's how we slaughter lambs. It's kind of like a, like a Western version of halal, whereby they're all getting a little back rub. As we... <laughs> Okay, maybe I should move on. Uh, fuck you to middle age. Middle age, as well as having all these ailments that I've got, right? Uh, which is, I've got plantar fasciitis at the feet, and I've, which my wife thinks is hilarious because it sounds like it's got the word shite in. Uh, I've got carpal tunnel of the hands. Uh, so all of my ailments sound Latin for a start, which means I don't get any sympathy. I've now got a clicky jaw as well. So as I'm talking, I just feel it click. And it actually hurts. It's like, it's just a nightmare. I was on stage the other night at Comedy Unleashed and um, I was just, just trying to finish a joke and just knew that I had to click my jaw while I was doing it. I don't know how it must have looked to the people watching me, like I had some sort of PTSD version of pill jaw from the late 90s. But but does it, I just want to ask, does it stop? Does it stop this? Because my escalation of ailments in my 40s, if it carries on like this, I'm going to be bed-bound by the time I hit my 50th birthday. So if there's any fellas out there, um, email into gmail.com or, or anything they'll talk about in the show. But specifically, does this, does this level off? Do I flatten this curve of being fucking... Jesus, mate, I'm a mess. Anyway, look, uh, let's get on with the show. We're going to be talking about this week about uh, an absolutely packed week of politics. So, that'll be the main thing we'll be talking about at the tier threes and Boris, uh, Labour, Kiev picking a, a, a stance finally. And then we're going to be doing a bit of uh, men's mental health. We we'll just talk about a subject that that, that isn't discussed that much, but we'll, we'll get to that in due course. But first up, let, let's try and catch up on yet another mental week in politics. So let's rewind here. Let's rewind. Remember at the weekend, back end of last week, we had this swirling expectation of another national lockdown, right? And it was going to be the whole country's going to be locked down. Is the whole north going to be locked down? We're we going to build a wall at Telford. Who's going to pay for it? Mexico. So we're all expecting these uh, these tears or. Or this red light system, this this three tier system, and it was a bit like you know it felt like about middle class parents waiting to find out which school their kids were going to go to. You know, which we go. You know, I just think I think it'd be outrageous if we were in tier three because you know actually, you know my area has special educational needs, and I don't think the school have really taken that on board. And then um, and then we found out on Monday, and the government did this thing that they've done a couple of times recently, is that the news has often been worse than the expectation. Uh, sorry, the expectation has been worse than the news because it was only Liverpool. Uh, and a couple of other areas that went into tier 3 i think maybe nottingham maybe nottingham and um obviously immediately you know it's fucking you know it's fucking victimisation and um <laughs> i get i've been getting some stick off the scousers this week for my bad accent but i'm i'm just doubling down on it hey fucking hell, it's victimisation is what it is and um and uh, a few northern MPs and stuff you know like saying like the, the liverpool's being singled out and it, I don't think that's their that hopeful uh, a narrative. Look, I have my own skepticism about lockdown generally, but I don't think that if you want people to sort of comply with whatever this thing is, dressing it up as some sort, of <laughs> some sort of Tory Tory conspiracy isn't the best way of achieving that. And you know, we see when we saw uh, from uh, where was it Wednesday night the, the images of young people just out dancing in Liverpool. I think that could be the net co- uh, effect of all that. But there's no doubt that hospitalizations in Liverpool are higher than elsewhere. And Boris has been working with, like, the local mayors and stuff like that. And did you see he actually gave his thanks to the mayor of Liverpool? Is it the mayor of Liverpool? Steve Rotherham. First up, best name for a mayor ever, to have a name of somewhere else. When your whole job is about representing an area, Steve Rotherham. (laughs) That just sounds like, if I was, like, really late, if I was trying to write a comedy drama... And he came up with a name for a mayor. What's his name? Oh, fucking Steve Rotherham. I don't know. What? Um, it'd be like if the Queen was called, like, Elizabeth Germany. Um, a lot of people say that that is effectively what she is. But um, Boris gave him some praise, didn't he? And that is the worst thing. If you're a Scouser, they're so defined by opposition to the Tories in the South and to posh people. Getting like a big up off Boris, you could just see he must have been gutted. He was like, "Fucking hell, oh, Jesus Christ!" They already think I'm cozying up to the fucking establishment. I'm like, "That off Boris, thank you very much, Boris." <laughs> that must mean what he was thinking. Fucking, I help you out, and what do you do? You say something nice about me, you fucking prick. But I understand where Steve Rotherham's coming from. It would be like, you know, if Andrew Adonis just came out online and said that I was his favourite comedian. <laughs> or Guy Hostat come out and said, yeah, you know, I really like his, uh, that uh, Jeff Mocker He's a funny guy. Um, and then Boris did the uh, press conference, didn't he? He got up and did his announcement uh, in the Commons. And at that point, Keir was still kind of like, uh, kind of massaging his rectum on the fence. And... <laughs> and Boris uh, Boris did his press conference that, that night like that night and he had Rishi there with him or as me and my mates call it on the on the WhatsApp group my mate Jonesy calls him uh, Rishi with the good brows <laughs> he does have good eyebrows doesn't he Rishi is um, he just look he has the constant look of uh, somebody who's just smashed a 10k bike ride doesn't he just like just smashed it out had a shower looks like he smells good Rishi I get the impression that he used like really expensive moisturiser and and um, and there, but he had he had Rishi next to him, and the thing about that is, it's wise if you're trying to sell a message to have a competent um, politician next year. But Rishi just seems across the detail, doesn't he? Yes, uh, you know we spoke to business leaders in the area, we consulted widely with them, and of course there is the uh, the extension of the Ferno scheme, and if, and you sort of get with Rishi, you get to the point where I don't know if what he's saying stacks up, but certainly the way he's saying it stacks up, right? And uh, it's just it's just a problem, isn't it? I think for for Boris. He's like, that's his gun act at the moment. You know, this is one thing that gets lost, and I noticed I said this earlier in the pandemic. One of the big mistakes of Johnson and Cummins was when they got in power. Obviously, they didn't foresee a pandemic, right? Who did? Chinese Jeff. Yeah. They invented it in their back. So, um, <laughs> they No one knew this was coming, right? So what they did was they packed out the cabinet with young, inexperienced people like Helen Waitley. I mean, Helen Waitley, my God. She just looks like Fucking hell, man. I don't know how much Valium she's because she just looks like so depressed to find herself uh, in this position. And so they packed it out. They packed it out with youngsters, didn't they? And they could have done with more competence in both executing the business of government and also communicating that message to the public. But Rishi, Rishi's been the one shining light, is not he? Because he got rid of Sajid Javid thinking, I need a more pliable chance and then he's, he's got this guy that's kind of like, uh, he's just like a character of Made in Chelsea, isn't he? Like, he, he he's he's sort of posh but popular. It doesn't and he's a tour. It doesn't make much sense, right? And uh, it, it, and what happens sometimes in comedy? This happens is that you get a support act on a tour and the support act continually outdoes the main act. It's happened like look, don't get me wrong. I've had a couple of tour shows where some of the guys have supported me like Leo, Ryan McDonald, Chris, uh, Constantine. Like they've smashed gigs. I'm like, oh, you absolute pricks. <laughs> Because <laughs> you want them to do well, be like, fucking, don't, don't create a mountain for me to climb, lads. Jesus, I'm deducting that out of your pay. The last thing I booked a support act for was for you to go out there and actually be funny. <laughs> so in terms of the Labour Party this week, Keir Starmer got to the point where he sort of had to take a position, really. Because on Monday, when he responded to Boris, uh, he was talking about opposition to restrictions from within his own party. And he warned Boris against it. And I thought, hang on, did, did Keir Starmer... Just give opposition to the idea of opposition from the opposition. You thought this man needs to pick a stance, and obviously the party just—they—it's not you know—it's not what the Labour Party want is to be agreeing with the Tories. So he—he's had to pick a position where he's in favour of a circuit breaker, and even as he was—even as he was announcing it, I don't know about you, I—I—I I, I do a lot of politics on instinct. I don't know if Keir Starmer is completely happy with this. You have got to remember what his job was, right? He's a lawyer. Right. He he dissembles things. He he undoes them. He doesn't he doesn't propose things, does he? He he picks apart ideas or arguments that already exist. To actually say we should do something was difficult for him. And he looked a bit. I've often I've said when Keir Starmer reads off cue, he looks like he's being some of these. <laughs> sorry, this is crass. But someone's just stuck a finger up his ass without his consent. He's he, And I, I say that as someone who, who also struggles with reading cue i really do it's hard like if you just speak a little bit off camera then you can be normally yourself the moment he's on camera he just starts to yes a two rig circuit breaker uh he yeah he's not a great communicator in that context and what i don't right, what i don't get right is he seems to he seems to be acting like sage are recommending it okay because obviously anything that sage recommends you know with like with their fifty thousand prediction we should absolutely swallow that shit hole um and it seems to be a no brainer. When Kia says it, it seems like the logical grown up in the room thing. Then answer me this why, like, is France and Spain, who've had very experience, uh, similar experiences of the second wave, why are they also trying to manage it with restrictions and with local lockdowns? There must be like a reason for this. And so stop calling it a circuit breaker, as well, isn't it? As Christopher Snowden said, he said it's like calling a second referendum a people's vote. It's not, it's a second lockdown. And we know for a fact. That this circuit breaker will become another lockdown. Personally, I think that this thing has now got momentum and it will probably happen, right? It will probably happen. But what we don't know, what we don't know, is because how much of this came from people going back to schools and universities. So that was always going to create a wave, a wave which could subside. And I just worry, I just worry that there'll be this point where we're all sitting in our homes and that'll be when the wave is all, like everyone will get geared up for this thing, you know? And then it will start subsiding anyway, and we'll all feel like massive pricks. <laughs> we'll just be sitting there in our houses, yet more redundancies, yet more businesses going bust, yet more shitty homeschooling that we're having to give the kids. Uh, and it will already be going back the other way, right? And this is the this is the thing is about Boris Johnson at this point. If you are an enemy of Boris Johnson, the funny thing now is is that what he's going through is like a form of kind of uh, Dickensian retribution, you know, because he has been a populist and an opportunist. Uh, but what he went through last year, you know what I mean? He had to go for a leadership election. Uh, he won that and then he had to get the withdrawal agreement, renegotiated. He did that. He had to do a general election, right? He comes into this year. Brexit happens, you know, the first stage of it. Then uh, then a pandemic happens. Then he has a kid. Then he gets COVID. Bang, bang, bam, bam, bang, 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 right? This is, and now, and, and this is the kicker if you really despise him. At the moment, he is having to find a genuine middle way between things. Because uh, trust me, there are plenty of Tories who are like, fuck it, stay open, stay more open. In fact, let's smear our children with the disease. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's some people who are really down that way. And then obviously there's the kind of pro-lockdown, like the absolute pro-lockdown ninnies who love a bit of lockdown, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I do think when YouGov do their polling, you know when they say who's in favour of lockdown, and it always roughly is sort of two-thirds of people, I think they should also have a separate caveat. Who's in favour of lockdown and has a fixed income, either through a government job, you know, NHS teacher, uh, who's on a, a fixed pension, who's paid their mortgage off, who's got a big house and a nice garden? Because I think if we take out all those people, I think you'll find it's 50-50. <laughs> So yeah, Boris Johnson. Why would you? Why, he he. He's he sort of got what he deserved in a way. He's actually trying to do. I think at the moment, the, the, you know, he's not doing a bad job at finding a middle way. And yes, it is complicated. I mean, it was just so hard to follow. It's just so complicated. Is it? Is it that hard? To, look, if you've got any access to the internet, you can find out in a fucking ten seconds what the. What the restrictions are in your area? All you have to do is read them and remember them. Everyone's still comparing the restrictions to the ones that they understood, which was stay in your house for 23 hours a day. Nothing was ever going to be as simple as that, was it? But them, at least we know where we stood. What, so we, we should just have businesses go to the wall because you just want, you can't be asked to go on and enter a postcode and find out what the restrictions are in your area. You fucking pussies, man. And... Keir Starmer, the other thing with Keir Starmer's briefing as well, Keir Starmer, I might say you thought I wasn't going to do this week, but I did it, um, is uh, one of the uh, the journalists, and to be fair to the journalists, they did, they did scrutinise him, and they asked him if he'd costed it, and you just saw his eyes, whatever that finger up his bum was, it went up a bit further because his eyes went big. He went, uh, yeah, do, do we have to look at the costs of, of not doing anything. And you go, okay, so that means you haven't costed it, right? Because you you just give a politician's answer. Have you cost it? Well, I'll tell you what we haven't cost. Is, is the cost of not doing it. I just felt a bit like if that. Were, I tell you if that was Dragons, Den, that would be the moment where Deborah Meaden gave it the massive eye roll. What most people so, think. I've noticed that that there's been switching positions between you know the young versus old debate. Now it was quite clear cut during the the Brexit debate it was mainly during the Brexit debate. Brexiteers were mainly like, you know, fuck young people. You know, old, old people have fought in wars even though they didn't. Um, and we should, you know, we should respect them. And then, and and all the remainers were like, oh, fuck them." We actually, I can't wait for them to die so we can have a second referendum and get a different outcome. So that that was a very established kind of line uh, in the sand. And yet, you know, pan, the pandemic, COVID, has changed all of that because all, all all the kind of like pro old people, like the Brexiteery types, are now like, hey, "We've we've all gone like super hippie. We're like, "Hey, man, sh- I just care about the young man. I just care about the young." I sometimes wonder if I'm saying that but what I really care about is the economy but I know saying that I care about the young is the most persuasive argument but yeah man just let them live their lives dude live their lives take drugs man enjoy it take some LSD have a sit in you know like even to the point where there was some gym in Liverpool that got raided for staying open and the same people that would normally be right like the same political commentators that would normally be about law and order were like going solidarity with with this deviant scouser and, and then on the other hand, what you've got is, is like the kind of Remainer types. And now they're all about old people, aren't they? It's very strange. Like, just, I just feel for the old people in this country. I just I just imagine them sitting there in their houses, not allowed to leave. And, and that, that's who my mind is with right now. It's the old people, the last years of their life. And I just wonder if these are kind of like Trojan horses on both sides, where, where what they mean is, what they mean is, is the Brexiteers really like the economy and they don't want to see that getting fucked, right? And then and then the kind of pussy stay-at-home Remainers, uh, they really like big state intervention and, and you know, they, they they feel a lot of social anxiety. So they're kind of happy to stay at home too. But neither party can actually admit to that. So we're fighting out on this battleground, <laughs> which is that we, we give a shit about this age group, man. I'm not so sure. I, w- I would say this, though. I mean, like, seeing the schools shut in Northern Ireland um that did upset me i don't know what it is it's something to do with stuff that affects really small kids i just think they've got they haven't got any voice to influence any of this and i was i was sort of sitting there saying to my wife i was saying, i'll tell you what babe because i from the last lockdown the thing that really affected me most and it still does was the images of swings padlocked do you know did you see that i mean it's quite it's quite a brutal image wasn't it it just looked like i don't know there was something it reminded me of terminator 2 do you know what i mean after (laughs) just you know um there was something perturbing about that. And uh, I was saying to my wife, I said, I'm not having it this time. and not having them shut in the playgrounds again. I said, I'll, I'll be in there n- at night with a balaclava and some, some bolt cutters. <laughs> my wife just looked at me and I was like, yeah, I, I didn't really think through the aesthetic of how that would look at night if anybody was to see that. Do you know what I mean? Anybody from around my way go, mummy, mummy, there's a, there's a man in a playground hiding with wearing a balaclava. <laughs> Like some fucking pedo version of the IRA. Just um, sort of off COVID, just slightly here, uh, I'm starting to get annoyed with adverts again because they're starting to do this thing again because it's got difficult, just like they did before. Do you remember with the McCain's ones where they were going to the mothers who've had to learn to homeschool? To the dads who built a pub in the shed. All this kind of knowing, like, yeah, we know what's going on in your fucking life. They've started to t- do it already because they want to identify with our experience of 2020. Any advert, you must have seen a few of them, that's been starting like this. It's been a really difficult year for everybody. <sighs> They're the same. Do you know what is? it is? They, they remind me of the same pricks that that remind you of how many shopping days there are till Christmas. You get it about this time of year. There'll be, I think roughly it's about like 78 at the moment. But people, people go, mm, Christmas soon, Christmas soon. There's something about the way that they say it that just doesn't sort of denote any level of care from my perspective. It just means that they've just sort of a shitty little thing to say to you to make you stressed about something else. It's like, mm, but yeah, be a Christmas as well soon. It's just like like they feel the stress, so they have to climb to a bar. They have to kind of like uh, spread it around the group. Mm. Yeah, so many shopping days. Yeah, you know what? 78 days is actually quite a lot of days since the advent of Amazon. Just fucking chill out. I've done my Christmas shopping every year around about 16th of December. I've never had any issues, so get fucked. But these adverts, man, these adverts, it's, it's been a tricky year for all of us. I, d- I don't need to, uh, you to understand because you don't understand, do you? I'm making a generale- generality that I'm supposed to sit there and go, oh, yeah, thanks, McCain's. Yeah, it's just just nice to have a little arm around me every once in a while. You know, it's nice to know somebody else is feeling what I'm feeling. I, I, unless the advert is really specific, maybe like the only way I'd accept that is if the adverts became like you know how you get cookies online, which know which know roughly the stuff you. Oh, by the way, I made a massive bollock drop with the missus this week. I was um, I was looking at Instagram TV, and when I look at Instagram TV, all I ever see is like DJ clips playing techno and trance, or like hot women in bikinis. I said this to my wife. I said, babe, it's so all I ever see is these clips and these women next to nothing on. And she said, yeah, uh, it's to do with algorithms, Jeff. It's based on the stuff you look at. And I was like, okay, okay then. Yep, yep, yep. There's nothing to say to that, is it? I mean, that was as close to being busted for looking at porn <laughs> as, as I've ever been. As I've ever been. I mean, like, it would be worse if I'd have gone, babe, all I ever see on Instagram TV, right, is... DJ clips and kind of porn based on sort of Second World War imagery. (laughs) You know, with people in it wearing gas masks. What's all that about? (laughs) I just, I would want the advert for it to mean anything. It's just be so specific to me. Go, Jeff, do you remember earlier this year when the boiler was fucked and there was that unnecessary expense in February that you hadn't legislated for? Or on August when you went on holiday in the only fucking days that weren't a heatwave, I'd be going. Yeah, that is, I do remember that, McCain's. Tell me what you're selling, but they don't, and they can't. So consequently, I just want I want advertising to go to a more sort of basic level of function. Would you just just tell me what you're selling and fuck off, okay? That's what all that's all I want from you, McCain's. Just go. Um, yeah, we're McCain's. We sell chips. Here's an image of the chips. This is a different kind of chip we do. Here's a person eating our chip and kind of enjoying it. But we did pay them to do that. But, but I would say that, that they did actually enjoy it on the day. So that's what we do. We're McCain's. We sell oven chips. You can buy them in the supermarket, frozen and that. You know, most people don't have time to make normal chips. So if you want that, that McCain's. <laughs> instead, instead they try and make out our own mates. And you know, the worst thing is, is that they're, they're not like good mates, like a laugh. They're your depressing mates, aren't they? Like if one of your mates come around and goes, 2020's been a tough year for all of you. Get the fuck out of my house, okay? I don't even care if we're not in tier two. I'm not socially mixing with you, you depressing wanker. It's been difficult. We've all had to adapt. I just shut up going on about it. They're like the same people that commentate on being in a queue, don't they? Oh, it's not moved for a while, is it? Yeah, yeah. We're all internally trying to to ignore that, that fucking reality that is staring us in the face. Just talk about stupid stuff, you know? I'm not out there going, I don't go- <laughs> Having said that, I've just realised I'm a stand-up comedian. One of the main things we do is observational humour, which is based on a shared understanding of life. But look, I'm still right about this. Just going to do a quick bit of uh, men's mental health here. And it's not it's not just men's mental health. I think it's everybody's, you know. Because I had a, a letter from someone, a top lad who's at, at university at the moment, and he's got to university in London, and obviously it's during COVID, and it's just shit. And uh, and what he did, and, and maybe this is because he's a younger man from a different generation, he admitted to feeling lonely, right? And and I thought, my God, man, how brave and emotionally intuitive is that to just admit that you feel lonely? And I'm not talking. I know some people going, oh, here we go, fucking all this new age shit. I just mean that is one of the most common and it's one of the worst feelings to feel as a human is lonely, but it's embarrassing, isn't it? Like when, you, when you do feel lonely, you sort of feel embarrassed about feeling lonely. So people don't talk about it, um, but it, we're pack animals, right? We're supposed to, we're supposed to congregate together. So if you cut us off from each other, Keir yeah, we get a bit, just a two week circuit break. Oh, just a two week. Is it, um, we get a bit, we get a bit depressed. Um, and yeah, one of the other dimensions to this was that he'd would he gone down to university in London and it sounds like he had a similar experience to me in that he went to like a working class, sort of comprehensive, had a good time, enjoyed the band with the lads and suddenly you get to university and everyone is taking shit very seriously, right? Because the thing about university is it's a time to reset. Whatever you were at your school, do you know what I mean? If you had like... Uh, like uh you were just called like big nose Steve or something. Like it's a chance for you to you to, to just create a new character for yourself. And also because it's university, people want to act more grown up, but but the net effect of all that is it's nowhere near as much fun. Unless you're going to one of those dodgy shitty universities, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> one of those old polytechnics, you know what I mean? Like was what's that one in Leeds that's got like the worst outcomes ever. Like, that's clearly just like, well, we're gonna do fucking three years of fucking drinking is what we're gonna do. Um Obviously, Jeffrey Boycott goes to that university. But yeah, for a lot of people. So I went to Goldsmiths Liberal Arts College and it was so worthy at the time. Everyone was like, uh, saving Cuba or saving the whales or Greenpeace. I just wasn't used to it. And I suddenly, I was like, really, maybe the first year, first two years, I didn't, I just like, I, I didn't fit in at all. Well, what happened in the first year was I just didn't fit in. I didn't enjoy it. And the second year, I discovered clubbing. So I was mostly on Savage Come Downs. <laughs> Most of the time. So they, I probably wasn't the most stimulating guy to be around. Um, but then in the third year, what happened was I realized that um, some of it was to do with me. You know what I mean? If you're going around the whole time thinking these fucking middle class wankers, mate, right? There is a chance that there might be a middle class person who's not a wanker, <laughs> who's a bit on the level. Like, because I felt very class conscious when I went to university. I didn't even realize I was working class till I went there. I remember the first time. Um, we was all sitting around on these fucking beanbags, having like coffee that was stronger than anything I'd. Because ever... I, I was a working class person, I was used to having the mellow bird shit, and then suddenly we were sitting here drinking this strong stuff. And so I, I already felt anxious anyway because of the strength of the coffee. And then they were all talking about like where they where they were going to go for Easter recess, and um, like loads of my dads that worked in posh places like Hong Kong or in Saudi. First up, I thought in Saudi was one word right? (laughs) And then someone was like, and then when it came around to me, it was like, where are you going, Jeff?" I was like, "Um, I'm I'm temping at the post office. And everyone laughed. (laughs) Pricks, right? So, you know, when I do a documentary called How the Middle Classes Ruined Britain, a lot of it is really just me still feeling angry about what happened at Goldsmiths. But getting back to the subject of of loneliness, what do you do? What do you do? Because the moment you admit it, like... (laughs) I don't. I'm gonna be brutal here, but it's like being in a relationship. Like you say, if you're saying I'm desperate to meet somebody, that is not like um, that's not like a good thing to be saying. And does the same thing work with with friendship stuff? I mean, in the terms of this guy, this Paul, he's he's also there during the times of COVID, which kind of makes it very difficult to meet people anyway. So you might just have to strap in. But I think maybe it's just about admitting it to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Have one of those little private moments. Because I've said repeatedly in these mental health things, a lot of these things are because you've got shit going on in your suite that you're not allowing to come to the front, right? So when you suppress stuff, then you start to become a bit withdrawn. It affects other things. So to just sit there and go, yeah, I'm fucking lonely, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm just laughing because it's it's such a obvious thing to admit and just go, yeah, I feel lonely. And you might even have a little cry about it. Yeah, I feel fucking, I'm lonely. I don't even fucking know. I'm a bit you just Sit there and you do that. But I'll tell you something, once you've sat there and, and said that out loud a few times and just nodded to yourself and gone, yeah, I'm learning right now. That's how it is. You will feel less bothered about it afterwards because the energy. There was this thing that um a counselor I had once um said to me, it was called it's about the paradox of acceptance. I haven't mentioned it for a while, but it's a simple thing: is if something's wrong, um fighting it takes more energy than admitting it, right? So if you accept it you immediately immediately becoming a slightly better place to deal with it. So you sit there and you go... It's like anxiety. If you're feeling anxiety in a social situation, you go, I don't want to feel this. Anxiety. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel like this. If you just go, yeah, right now, yeah, I've got a bit of anxiety going on. I'm just going to have to live with it. It's better, it's better. So that's the thing. The first step of all these things is just fucking say it out loud or write it down. I always bang on about it, but just write it down. Yeah, like right now, I'm lonely. There might be people listening that are having to work away from home because of all these restrictions and tier 3 bollocks. It's like, yeah you're sitting in a fucking holiday <laughs> oh god I remember like from earlier this year when I was touring all the time and obviously I love touring but the lifestyle that goes with it I was just looking back from photos earlier this year and I, I was I can't remember where I was staying maybe it was uh maybe it was in Monmouth somewhere like that and after you finish the gig I've normally had a dinner dinner before the gig I just I, all I wanted something sweet to take back to the hotel room right <laughs> well, what's the name no like just a dessert and I remember one night I couldn't find anything and the only thing that was open was this kebab shop and uh he said, well, I can do you a bit of cheesecake. And he went and got me the most minginous cheesecake. He just cut half of it off and just lobbed it in one of those polystyrene boxes. And I went back to the room and I sat there eating the cheesecake. <laughs> and I was telling myself, I'm not going to eat all of it, do you know what I mean? Because it was rank anyway. And then I just kept on going through it. And then I was like, wow, just with the debris of cheesecake and polystyrene across my bed, I just passed out. And then I remember waking up in the morning and felt, Well, that was a bit lonely. That was a bit sad. But, you know, I admitted it and I was able to carry on with my day. Okay, that is uh, the podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I, I, I enjoyed doing this weekly. So... Whether you can, you know, whether you can do the Patreon. If you could do the Patreon, that would be amazing. At whatever level you could do it, but just if you're starting to get into it, make sure you subscribe, uh, give it a, a, a rating, a recommendation. If you rate it five student uh, stars on iTunes, I read out every single one. So let's go through the most recent ones. This is uh, from S Campbell, 1980. Um, Simon from Eber. All right, maybe that sounds like a very middle class Scottish place. You know, because Scotland has middle-class people too, you know. Love it. Listen from the start and would recommend it to anyone interested in politics, topical issues, and a reasonable rate of swearing per minute. Keep up the good work. Simon from Lockieburg. Uh This is from Pod1322. Uh, they've actually done the accent for me. Insert, as- a- Essex. Insert Essex accent, Jeff. Not Towie, though. Um, so just got a text there. Um, just about my charitable contributions. Don't like to bring it up. Um, well, I felt for you after the last pod when you sounded sad when you only had one five-star review. So here is a well-starred, five, well-deserved five-star review for being the voice of reason along online amidst a concert of virtues thing. A concert. I, re- I realize I've got the tone of this all wrong. That's such a elevated bit of phrasing. Amidst the constant of virtue signaling. I'm from that bit of Essex. Is this like a middle-class week of reviews? Evidently me bitching about not having any reviews last week. People felt that. <laughs> I'm going to do that again. Uh, this is from Rooney99. This is Wayne Rooney, I think. A genuinely funny, balanced and clever look at current affairs. I really like ta- I like Jeff's take on things and there are some great guests. Harry recommended. Um, this is from, well, just a collection of letters. Um, So that is always going to be a Russian bot voice. Another great show, Jess, culminating in the hilarious letter at the end. Mr. Anonymous should count his blessing. Okay, so last week at the end, uh, there was a letter from Mr. Anonymous whose missus had started farting in front of him after seven years of marriage, and he he wanted to know how to play. He just didn't know how to deal with it, and he kind of felt that she might be a bit sensitive if he mentioned it. Because, yeah, that's a rare thing in marriages, isn't it? If a bloke has an issue with his missus that he's scared of bringing... (laughs) That is under discussed um, So, yeah, look, I, I think that'd be a good thing. Are you married, right? Uh, is there something in your marriage? Right, and this is only to men, I'm afraid. Sorry ladies, you lot, you you moan enough as it is. Is there something your wife does or has started doing that is bugging the living fuck out of you? Uh, <laughs> Uh, what most people think, UK at gmail.com. And also, let's form a support group because then we can give advice. If you've got any advice for this guy whose wife just suddenly has started farting in front of him and he doesn't like it, then let's, uh, you know, let's keep the support group, let's keep it strong. Uh, this is also uh, uh, another one here. Um, laugh out loud, funny. Oh, no, we just read that one. <laughs> Five star review for someone called Davsy, who just says adequate. Five stars, adequate. Um, this is from The Mighty Whiff. The Tories are sinking the economy with their COVID policy. You can't then say they didn't mean to or they didn't want to. Excusing a bad policy because you had good intentions is a socialist move. Don't stoop that low, Jeff. Five stars. <laughs> wow, I'd love to be in a relationship with you. That's confusing. You know what I mean? Are you one of those people who just sounds like a blazing round, goes, you know what? You fucking disgust me. I don't even know why I got with you. Should we have sex now? Um, but thank you for the five star review. And listen, um, I look, it's all changing all the time now. There's probably a lot of things I've said it won't make sense. The fact remains is I am sceptical about our ability to control this thing. But the government are clearly trying to find a line here. I wish that the line steered more back to fucking liberty. Um, and business but maybe that's maybe we're going to have to have another one of these fucking Circuit Breaker Welcome to Circuit Breaker with Keir Starmer the shittest game show that ever got commissioned